Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey, everybody. Craig Shout back here at the Ohioan Podcast for another set of Ohioan Weekend Reviews. This week, we're going to look at a couple of uh, some of that just reality trash TV. I don't know how it's better to describe it other than it's just the uh, mindless sort of reality TV that sometimes you get caught up into. have a couple of different shows that are actually kind of similar in terms of their style. Uh, Temptation Island, which there are two seasons of. You can watch both seasons right now on uh, Peacock Network or Peacock uh, streaming. It's uh, usually on the USA Network, uh, but it's a, uh, a show where four couples are sort of put to the ultimate test where uh, they're maybe at a crossroads in the relationship and they uh, are tasked with going to this beautiful romantic island where they are separated from their, their significant others and uh, are put into a room with the other uh, couples of the same sex and then they are uh, given the opportunity to maybe make uh, stronger, deeper, romantic, and emotional connections with singles who are specifically sort of picked out for them. Um, you know, the first season was kind of a unique experiment, although I will say this. You know, the the the, the way this show kind of operates is that it's hard not to maybe fall in love, especially when you're with a certain person or a certain group of people uh, for, you know, every day, all day for, you know, two to four weeks. And especially when you're in, uh, you know, I, I, they don't really specify necessarily where this uh, show is taped, but you're on a beautiful island where you have water and the sun and beautiful weather, great location. Kind of hard probably for some of these people not to fall in love. But I did think the first season was sort of an interesting uh, idea to try to, you know, maybe get these couples to realize whether or not, they can sort of control themselves or whether or not maybe they would like to find someone new. And, you know, obviously I don't necessarily ever expect any of the new couples that develop from these uh, seasons to ever really stay together, but it's still sort of a fun show where you can, you know, maybe do something while you're watching it, maybe just have it in the background, or maybe you get, you know, invested in it so much that you just can't help but binge watch. And that's sort of what season two was as well. Uh, season one, they're just kind of fun, over-the-top reality dramas that, you know, for the most part, doesn't really have much of a, co a coherency in its narrative structure. It's mostly just these men and women uh, trying to figure out if they're with the person they're meant to be with or if maybe there's someone better for them. Maybe there's someone that they can uh, fall in love with on this island. And at that point, uh, you know, Part of the drama is they have the men and they have the women get together with uh, their their group of friends and they watch uh, what their significant others have been up to. 
and uh, how they're maybe interacting with some of the men or women, depending on who you're talking about, uh, how they're interacting with them. Uh, now, sometimes I feel it's a little bit disingenuous because the clips that are shown are not fully realized and fully developed clips. So sometimes I think the show is almost creating drama between couples by having certain things that could be taken out of context, even though they do say, hey, this isn't showing what happened before or after. My problem is, though, is that are you really making sure that these men and women are really having an opportunity to stay with each other? Um, or is it just you're trying to create drama and, you know, fill out an eight to ten episode arc, which is essentially what they're doing. But I will say this. I'm not going to give a rating for this show because it really isn't something I don't usually rate reality competition shows or reality shows. I will just say this. If you're looking for something to binge watch and something that can breeze right by, you've got beautiful men, men and women on the island as they, they seek out whether or not they should stay with their significant others. It can, you know, at least hold up some of your time there if you're looking for something to watch. I would say watch Temptation Island season one and two on Peacock. Um, obviously, it's not going to be for everyone, but if you kind of like that reality trash TV, sort of melodramatic TV, this is probably right up your alley. So I do say recommend it. It's not the greatest show out there, but if you're looking for something to kind of, you know, take up your time, this isn't a bad option, especially if you're looking for a reality show. Now, in the same vein as Temptation Island, uh, Netflix debuted uh, Too Hot to Handle and uh, just got done watching their second season. Now, this is a little bit different in that Too Hot to Handle does not take couples. Essentially, they take single men and women, basically men and women that are known to be players that don't really settle down, don't really care for emotional attachment. Mostly, it's just a physical thing. And what they do is their their goal, essentially, is to try to get these men and women to change their ways so they're not necessarily, um, you know, being a player at home anymore. They're, they're learning from their mistakes. They're learning to make more deep emotional commitments. And this show actually has a little bit more going for it, I think, than even Temptation Island, which we just talked about. Um, and I say that because even though it's sort of a slow grind to where we get to these uh, uh, these parts where some of these men and women are going through emotional and, and spiritual help, it is kind of interesting to see how you what happens when you get these men and women, these beautiful men, men and women from across the world into one location to where, you know, how is it going to happen? I mean, are these people going to hook up? Are they going to, you know, fall in love? What's going to happen? And it does, it does bring a little bit more of a different, approach, I guess, than Temptation Island, which is trying to stay, keep couples together. But in this case, you know, they, they do a lot more emotional building and they, you know, they probably wait a little bit too long into the seasons to get into these like uh, workshops where the men and women kind of learn a little bit more about themselves. But I think they allow them to make early mistakes on in the process. And one of the unique things about this is they're trying to promote not hooking up, not having encounters on the island. So what they do is they start off with a $100,000 prize money. And basically every time you kiss someone or, you know, if you have sex or whatever it may be, you lose money from the pool. And at the end of the show, they might pick a couple, they might pick an individual to sort of give that money to those people or to that person who has maybe shown the most growth. So in some ways it's a reality competition show, 
but in, in a lot of ways, it's about emotional development and understanding, you know, the errors of your ways. Maybe when you were uh, reasons, you know, understanding reasons why some of these people are the way they are. And I think, uh, you know, Too Hot to Handle is an interesting show. It's obviously a, a really sex charged kind of environment because you've got, again, they're in, I think they're in Hawaii and it's, it's a really beautiful environment. You have great beaches, scantily clad men and women in bathing suits, and they're all around each other all day, every day. But at this point, you know, you see people start pairing up early on, and then sometimes they, they're staying power, sometimes there's not. And then what I like, too, is towards the end of the show, the uh, the show usually puts in a couple of new men and women to try to see if maybe they can tempt some of the people who have made emotional connections. Or maybe they can help find someone who has not been able to emotionally connect with someone. Uh, maybe they can find a new partner with one of these new people. So it's kind of an interesting twist. Um, but there's always these uh, interesting, intricate games and rules that uh, they utilize through this uh, AI cone called Lana, who sets out the rules and de determines who's broken the rules and things like that. And uh, sometimes, you know, they people get fantasy suites where they're able to go with their partner if they're making a connection and, you know, kind of test their wills, test their ability to, to say, we're not going to mess up. We're going to keep the money in the pot. And hopefully we win it at the end. So it's kind of been an, a, a better, I think, you know, it, it comes to more of an individualized, um, you know, moment of clarity for a lot of these people. But a lot of them, you can tell that uh, many of them do kind of develop a little bit more as a person. And, and for that, I think there's a nice redeemable quality. Whereas, yeah, most of the show is about partying, scantily clad men and women in bathing suits, you know, talking about how, how big, big of a player they are, things like that. But there are some people that have emotional breakthroughs and connections with people. So it's really interesting to see how everything kind of pans out uh, in that show throughout the process of a, of a full season. Now, looking ahead, you know, usually I like to do free streams. This week I'm going to do a little bit something different. Um, you know, where there's so many different services out there. And this week, I'm going to look at some of my five favorite things to stream on a service. And I'm this week, I'm picking HBO Max. Probably not a big surprise to many of you, as that's one of my favorite services out there uh, to watch different shows and movies. I'm going to give you five quick picks of movies that you can stream right now on HBO Max that I think are more than worth your time. Uh, at number five, we have David Lynch's Mulholland Drive. Um, if you were to ask, if you were to have someone try to ask you what this movie is about, it's very challenging. It's a sort of a mind-bending uh, satire, and it's it's hard to describe it other than just to say watch it. I don't want to spoil anything for you, uh, but it's a it's a very mysterious and mind-bending kind of out of out of body experience, though. Um, and I I do think uh, you know David Lynch has made some interesting movies. He's made some movies that didn't quite work, but then he's made some interesting things that have worked. This is the movie that really is his masterpiece, in my opinion. Uh, just a terrific film. Keeps you guessing. And in a lot of ways, I don't know if it's necessarily that you're supposed to understand everything that's going on with it. But I think more so than anything, you're just supposed to let it kind of bathe over you and let you just kind of see what it's about. Watch the, you know, the great performances. Uh, Naomi Watts was fantastic in this film. Uh, a younger Justin Theroux that was a little bit more unknown at the time. Uh, was also in this film as well. So terrific film. It's got a lot of different elements to it. I don't want to spoil anything, though, because, you know, you don't want to give out anything that may may tip someone off on something. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Just go watch it. It's a mind-bending 
extremely fun and interesting kind of uh, take on a, a lot of different genres of film. Very fun film. Now, moving on to number four, I have this, The Spinal Tap. Uh, this, I think, in my opinion, is the funniest movie I've ever seen. Uh, basically, it's a mockumentary movie about a band uh, called Spinal Tap who is, uh, you know, trying to, to sort of, you know, make it big in the, in, the, in the music industry. And it's a comedy of errors, whether it be uh, small sets for their concerts or not knowing where they're at or how to get to the stage or, you know, how, how much more black, I guess you could say, can this album cover get. Uh, just unbelievably fun, quotable movie lines. This is my one of my favorite funny movies of all time. It came out in 1984. It's still funny today, probably even more so. The more the older you get, and the more opportunity you have just to let everything kind of soak in. Where maybe when you're a little younger, it might you know kind of fly, fly over your head a little bit. But Spinal Tap. Great fun band. Their music was actually pretty good. The music they actually wrote for this was actually really good, too. But uh, the movie was just laugh-out-loud hilarious. I can't really remember a movie where I've ever really laughed as much as I laughed during this film. Uh, so, again, you can watch that right now on HBO Max as well. Number three uh, on HBO Max is Goodfellas. It kind of goes without saying. Martin Scorsese, the master director, has made a living directing just great genre films, especially when you're talking about gangster dramas. And Goodfellas was really no different. Obviously, a lot of people might know him from The Irishman. That's you can see on Netflix. But Goodfellas from 1990 is probably, if not his best work, probably one of his two or three best films. Uh, you could also make the argument for Raging Bull as well. But uh, Goodfellas is just a fantastic gangster drama telling the story of Henry Hill and his climb up the ranks in, in the mob world. Uh, again, an acting, an actor's actor's type movie. Joe Pesci's fantastic. Ray Liotta's fantastic. Uh, Martin Scorsese just has a, a depth touch when it comes to directing these types of films. And it's always entertaining. And, and this is a, one of his longer, you know, one of the longer gangster dramas you're going to find. But it's just a terrific film overall. Now, next up, my final two picks actually uh, came out the same year. The first one is the documentary Hoop Dreams. It is my favorite documentary ever. I think it's one of the best made documentaries ever. Hoop Dreams tells the story of two inner city Chicago teens who are sort of rising through the ranks of, you know, the pre-AAU world of basketball where you just had to, you know, play on the streets and play in schools and just show your ability there rather than the AAU circuit where you're playing nation nationwide against kids from all over the country. But our, you know, this this film details not just the struggle that they face trying to live up to expectations, but also the human element, the families, how the families kind of interact, how they struggle, how they're taken advantage of in a lot of ways. This is a fine documentary, over three hours long, but it's well worth your time. It is just a heartbreakingly honest look at the, the the world we live in. It's it's just a, a human story more than more so than just a basketball story. Yes, it does detail the you know what 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 says hoop dreams, these young children growing up wanting to be NBA stars. But at the end of the day, it's a story about humanity and about life and about how sometimes things don't work out for the best. Sometimes they work out better than expected. And sometimes the you know maybe the path not traveled is the best path to travel. So um, unfortunately, 
one of those films where not everybody's going to be into it because it is longer and some people may not be big documentary fans, but really whether you're a sports fan or just a fan of humanity, this is the kind of uh, documentary that I think everybody should watch and, and, and you'll probably in all likelihood come to love it as well. Uh, but yeah, hoop dreams, one of my favorite films, um, but also one of my, it's gotta be up there with some of the best documentary work I have ever seen. Uh, at number one, probably comes as no surprise if you listen to some of uh, the podcasts in recent weeks. Uh, Bob Garver and I have uh, discussed uh, some some of the things here, um, and that would be Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, uh, number one on my list. You can currently stream it here on HBO Max. It is well worth your time. It's my favorite movie of all time. I also think it's one of the best movies of, of all time as well. I think even after nearly 30 years now, it still holds up extremely well as this uh, non-linear gangster drama with a lot of humor, a lot of quotable lines, a lot of great dialogue. Quentin Tarantino is a master uh, screenplay writer, but also he's a fine, fine director. People don't realize how great of a director he truly is uh, because most people, I think, really kind of think of him as a screenwriter first, which maybe he even might say he's a screenwriter first because he loves writing so much, but he is an ultra talented director as well, and uh, he did share screenwriting uh, uh, on this with Roger Avery as well. But uh, Tarantino certainly has, you know, really developed into a great director and great writer even after Pulp Fiction. Although I still think Pulp Fiction to this day is his best film, and I'd be hard pressed to ever really say anything otherwise. Although I do love Kill Bill Volume One and Volume Two, and I absolutely adored. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his last movie from 2019, which was a terrific film. But uh, Pulp Fiction, uh, just an instant watch anytime it's on TV. If anybody ever asked me for a recommendation on what they should watch or, you know, if they're interested in, you know, certain genres or interested in whatever, I think Pulp Fiction is usually one of those movies that I always kind of gravitate towards because there, it's a drama, but it's also funny. There's a lot of quotable lines in it. And I think it's kind of something that a lot of adults can really get behind, even if it does get a little violent, does get a little bit uh, over the top in some of its dialogue, I suppose. But overall, Pulp Fiction, my favorite film, it is definitely something you should stream if you have HBO Max or if you're looking for, for movies on HBO Max. This is one. I think HBO Max has the best quality library out there. I mean, these five films are just five of my favorites, but I probably could have made a list of 20 films that's on HBO Max right now, like Casablanca, Citizen Kane, the original King Kong from 1933. There are so many great films on HBO Max right now, so I definitely uh, would certainly recommend it. And uh, those are five films right now that I think everybody should seek out on that app. So once again, this is Craig Shop for the Ohioan Podcast. You guys have a great weekend and keep streaming. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.